Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. Kevin Hogan here. Let's take a look at our top stories. A summit between President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin is in the works. The French president suggested it for security purposes. This while the defense secretary says Russia could take Ukraine's capital. Canadian police clearing protesters from the country's capital. We take a look at what happened over the weekend. The Beijing Winter Olympics holds its closing ceremony, but controversy still surrounds the events and the strict anti-COVID-19 measures. Canada's capital is clear of protesters now after police escalated operations over the weekend. But a protest spokesperson says the grassroots movement isn't over. NTD's Jessica Beatty reports. The streets are clear in downtown Ottawa now after weeks of protests against Canada's COVID-19 mandates and restrictions. Here's Ottawa's interim police chief Sunday morning. We promised earlier this week that we would clear our streets and give them back to our residents. We promised that we would return our city to a state of normalcy. With every hour, we are getting closer to that goal. Law enforcement ramped up their efforts over the weekend. Mounted police and officers on foot advanced on demonstrators. It's crazy, man. It's, it's totalitarian tyranny. Like, I don't even know what to say. Police used stun grenades and pepper spray to clear demonstrators. We're seeing the aftermath. In response to the use of force, a spokesman for the Freedom Convoy protest, Tom Marazzo, called for demonstrators to withdraw peacefully Saturday. As a movement, we have chosen to peacefully withdraw from the streets of Ottawa. There is nothing to be gained by being brutalized by police. Marazzo called it a dark day for Canada. Never in my life would I believe anyone if they told me that our Prime Minister would refuse dialogue and choose violence against peaceful protesters. As of Sunday morning, police said they'd arrested about 190 people. That includes Daniel Bulford, who coordinated security for the protesters. He was later released. He said now that the trucks are gone, he hopes Parliament will vote down Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Emergencies Act. I hope that with all the other countries all over the world announcing that they're finished with COVID mandates and COVID restrictions, that why, why can't Canada do the same thing? Freedom Convoy spokesman Tom Arazzo says next, truckers will initiate a charter challenge seeking to have the court strike down the vaccine mandates. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. President Biden has agreed to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin in the summit over Ukraine. That's if Putin doesn't invade the country. This comes amid fears that Russia is planning to invade, a claim that Moscow denies. The White House announced on Monday that Biden will meet with Putin. French President Emmanuel Macron had suggested a summit with both leaders for security and strategic stability in Europe. The announcement comes after Macron made calls to the U.S. and leaders in Europe, and on Sunday, Biden met with the National Security Council. He addressed the most recent actions Russia has taken to build up its military on the Ukraine border. And what's more, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin sounded the alarm that the Russian military could take over Ukraine's capital, Kiev. In an interview with ABC News, Austin says it would be done through a sizable amount of combat power that they have stationed at Ukraine's border. And so 
this, this could create a, uh, a, uh, a tragedy, quite frankly, as a, in terms of refugee flow and, and uh, displaced people. So this is potentially very, very dangerous. And additionally, Russia's nuclear forces were holding exercises on Saturday, and Washington has accused the Russian military of being poised to strike. Vice President Kamala Harris warned on Sunday that war in Europe is a very real possibility. She told the Munich Security Conference that people should try to understand the significance of the situation. So our position is for us very clear, which is as a leader, which we have been bringing together the allies, working together around our collective and unified position, that we would all not just prefer, we desire, we believe. It is in the best interest of all that there is a diplomatic end to this moment. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said there is a price to pay for what Putin has put the world through. She stressed the importance of diplomacy, but still had harsh words for the Russian leader. What is interesting about Ukraine, I think, is it has made NATO stronger and more united, more committed to meet the needs of peace and democracy, uh, putting diplomacy first. Pelosi warned of strong and swift sanctions if Putin invades. And a former U.S. commander in Europe, Ben Hodges, said instead of war, Russia would rather squeeze Ukraine like a boa constrictor. I think he probably told the general staff, I want the options to be able to do this. I actually probably did this a couple years ago because he sees that the window is closing, not because of weather this year, but because in a couple of years, Ukraine was going to be too strong to, uh, to attack. New findings from satellite imagery from U.S. company Maxar. The new Russian military activity is a change in the pattern of the tanks, artillery, and other support equipment that they had previously observed. Shelling has intensified in eastern Ukraine. That's according to the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, or OSCE. Ukrainian officials say that Russia-backed separatists are following a scenario written by Moscow. Ceasefire violations continue to surge as tensions flare in volatile eastern Ukraine. Over the weekend, the country's Secretary of National Security and Defense visited troops stationed in one of the conflict zones. In Donetsk region, we have met with the head of the military civilian government and learned that two major water pumps have been damaged. OSCE's monitors reported more than 1,400 explosions on Saturday in Ukraine's Donetsk and Luhansk regions, which are two self-proclaimed republics backed by Russia. Western countries are accusing the separatist move a pretext created by Russia to justify an attack on Ukraine. For the past three days, the frontline zones have been under fire. The enemy does all that is possible to force us to fire at populated areas by positioning the artillery that fires at us in between buildings inhabited by people, all in order to then accuse us of genocide, of killing the people of Donbass. One commander said before the shelling began, there were provocative accusations that Ukrainian troops fired first, calling the situation part of a planned propaganda operation. This is part of Russia's plan. I can say for sure it follows a scenario, a scenario written in Moscow, and the separatists just follow it. Officials clarify that the state would only respond when there is a genuine threat to servicemen and when it occurs in a densely populated area. During their visit to a shelled region, a group of soldiers and journalists are seen running away from what appeared to be the shelling. 
as they visited the conflict zone in eastern Ukraine on Saturday. The group was later evacuated to a shelter, according to an official report. Soldiers across the United States have been called to aid COVID-19 testing and vaccinations. Now, their help is needed in another area to help address a shortage of health care workers. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. Charlie, Charlie, are you joking? When Jonas Galata joined the National Guard, he never imagined that would mean one day training as a nursing assistant. Usually when you join the Guard, you, you know, you help out the community with, you know, floodings, things of that nature, you know. Never in my wildest dreams would I, you know, live through a pandemic and then helping out the communities in this capacity in any way, shape or form. But, you know, it was a great opportunity that this is happening and I'm happy that I'm off, able to help out my community in any way that they need. About one in five healthcare workers has quit since February 2020. That's according to a morning consult poll published in October. In early February, 70 soldiers turned certified nursing assistants were deployed to their postings. The next wave of 80 trainees will start work this week. Our healthcare workers are in desperate need of our help. They are they're beyond exhausted, and so this was an opportunity for us to provide training to the National Guard. One of the facilities in need is Wisconsin Dells Health Services, a long-term care facility where employees care for patients with dementia and Alzheimer's. Heather Stubinger felt she couldn't take the stress much longer. I absolutely love my job. Never ever could have imagined doing anything different with my life until the pandemic hit. And I questioned so many times, like, can I do this? Do I want to do this? This is, you know, way, way more than something I ever thought I would experience. Her colleagues were quitting in droves, and the soldiers offered a lifeline, but it wasn't without a learning curve. They're amazing. Uh, our team guys, it should have been a recipe for disaster. They came in really untrained, and Heather had to throw her schedule out the window uh, to reschedule just to get these guys up to speed. It's only a temporary fix. The soldiers are only signed on until mid-March, but the healthcare workers hope they will be granted an extension. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. States in the Northeast are taking steps to make sure nursing homes are safe as the pandemic wages on. For example, Connecticut's Governor Ned Lamont says these homes are safer because residents and staff have been vaccinated. And Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker says even though the state is lifting mask requirements, face coverings will still be standard procedure at nursing homes. The president of United Methodist Communities, Larry Carlson, gives us an insight into the state of his nursing home in New Jersey. He says families are grateful for the safety protocols, but his assisted living facility is battling a staffing shortage. Well, you know, people do double duty. They um, work a double. Uh, we have the management team uh, serving in the dining room. And, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we, we, uh, we've been able to, especially during this Omicron, uh, we've been able to keep the virus outside of the building. And uh, our residents uh, who did get it really got it when they went outside and visited or uh, you know, went to visit their families. And our testing protocols uh, was really what kept the, uh, the staff from bringing it into the building because right now the Cali score, which is the COVID activity level index for the entire state of New Jersey is orange, and, uh, which means high. And so that means our staff are tested uh, twice weekly, uh, but there are no restrictions for visitation, but we do offer COVID screening at the, at the front desk uh, when a person arrives to visit and then a rapid test is uh, offered and it's been interesting that most of visitors will take the, uh, the test voluntarily. 
And this has really been just such a tough time. What's the morale like for your seniors and also your staff? Well, you know, our, our staff, a lot of our staff um, really treat their work more as a mission as opposed to than just a job. And so, I mean, they're committed. And then they, they come to work because uh, they, they take care of these people. They have relationships with our residents. Uh, and they care deeply for them. And so uh, it's difficult. As I said, they're tired, but uh, we, we pers persevered. And I think we really got through this Omicron variant, thank thankfully. So what are the biggest challenges that you have going forward? I know you mentioned staffing concerns. Well, for sure, the, the staffing is the, is, the, is the biggest concern. It's just, and, and you know, staffing challenges are all around, not just in, in healthcare. And, and really, it's just to um, convince people that long-term care is a safe place to be. Senior living is a, is a safe place to be, uh, and probably safer than down the street. We have our testing protocols. Uh, you know, we're, we're offering a test to everybody who comes in to visit. Most, most people are taking it. Um, you know, our, our infection control practices are, are really sec second to none. Uh, we, you know, we're very thorough on uh, making sure the environment is, is clean. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, we, we purchased negative air pressure machines uh, so that uh, we, we were changing the air faster in our, in our subacute area uh, so that uh, we could keep the uh, environment safe. So first I want to ask, how have your finances been affected by the pandemic? Hopefully they haven't been too much. Well, I mean, obviously we have spent a, a ton of uh, cash on um, PP, you know, personal protective equipment, PPE, uh, the testing. I mean, they're $10 a test, right? And we've done a ton of them. And, uh, you know, during the pandemic when we were shut down, uh, we were prevented from, uh, you know, having uh, people move in. And so that hit our revenue side. So it's, it's been a case of, you know, revenues down, expenses are up. So, yeah, we're spending more cash. Carlson said they have had success keeping families informed about new directives from the state's health department. They're able to do that through video calls. And he says families have been very engaged with learning about the new developments on those calls. Coming up, two helicopter crashes on opposite sides of the country. A California crash kills a police officer and injures another, and a Florida crash injures two people. Former President Trump's new social media platform launched last night in the Apple App Store. The app is now number one as of this morning. All that and more here on NTD News. The U.S. Department of Agriculture says a highly pathogenic form of bird flu was detected in a backyard flock of chickens in Long Island, New York. State officials have quarantined the premises and the birds will be killed to prevent the spread of disease. The birds will not enter the U.S. food system. The USDA says no human cases of bird flu were detected in the United States and recent detections of the virus in other states do not present an immediate health concern. The agency reminds people to handle poultry and eggs properly and to cook them to an internal temperature of 165 degrees. The bird flu killed more than 50 million U.S. chickens and turkeys in 2015. Federal, federal health officials say human infections occur after close contact with an infected animal, but they're considered rare. A 61-year-old Florida woman is accused of killing her husband by stabbing him more than 140 times. Joan Burke appeared before a judge Sunday in a video conference. Officers say her son called police from the couple's home on February 11th, 
telling them that he discovered the body of his stepfather, 62-year-old Melvin Weller. Weller's family says he was physically disabled. When police arrived, they found Burke lying in a bed. She was conscious and alert, but remained silent. She was taken to a hospital for evaluation. An autopsy revealed that Weller also suffered a skull fracture from a blow to the head with a meat cleaver. Police say a motive is unknown at this time. Authorities are investigating the cause of a police helicopter crash along the Southern California coast. The crash killed one officer and sent another to the hospital. Huntington Beach police officers were responding to a disturbance in the neighboring city of Newport Beach. That's when their helicopter hit a narrow strip of water between Lido Isle and the Balboa Peninsula. Witnesses say boaters rushed to pull the officers out of the helicopter, which landed upside down in shallow water. Nicholas Vela was a 14-year-old veteran, 14-year veteran with the police department. He died in the crash, leaving behind a wife and daughter. The second officer is a 16-year-old veteran with the department. He was released from the hospital Sunday, but there's still a lot of recovery ahead. It wasn't immediately clear who was piloting the helicopter. The National Transportation Safety Board and the Orange County Sheriff's Department are investigating the crash. A helicopter crashed into the ocean off Miami Beach on Saturday. It hit the water just a few feet from swimmers who were in a crowded area that is popular among tourists. Two passengers were taken to a nearby hospital in stable condition and no one else was injured. The Miami Beach police say they received a call on Saturday afternoon about the crash in an area off South Beach. A video shared by police captured the helicopter descending over the ocean. It crashed into the water as sunbathers crowded the beach and others swam. Police closed off a two-block stretch of the beach where travelers frequent outdoor cafes. The police department said the Federal Aviation Administration was responding to the scene. The Department of Homeland Security is testing new technology to patrol the border. While the devices look like robot dogs, they are officially known as automated ground surveillance vehicles. Homeland Security says they could become Border Patrol officers' new best friends. The robots are able to climb over rough terrain, don't need water or food, and aren't afraid of rattlesnakes. There is one drawback, though. They run on batteries, which only gives them four hours of life in the field. While a robot can't make an arrest, it can capture evidence in remote desert areas and relay real-time data back to headquarters. Customs and Border Patrol officials hope to use them as a force multiplier but there's no timetable for deploying them yet. A French modeling agent was found dead in his prison cell on Saturday. Jean-Luc Brunel founded a renowned modeling agency in the 70s. Then he started a model management company with the convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. The 76-year-old was detained in December 2020 as part of an inquiry into whether Epstein committed sex crimes on French soil or against French victims. That includes allegations of rape, sexual assault, and sexual harassment. Brunel had denied any wrongdoing relating to his association to Epstein. The prosecutor's office in Paris said Brunel has found, was found hanged in his cell early Saturday morning. The office added that an investigation has been opened. Epstein died in jail in 2019 in what was ruled to be a suicide. He had been awaiting trial on sexual abuse charges. Former President Donald Trump's new social media venture launched on Sunday in Apple's App Store. It's called Truth Social and could mark the former president's official return to social media. 
The app has been available to download since shortly before midnight Eastern Standard Time, and it was automatically downloaded to Apple devices belonging to users who pre-ordered the app. The app was already available for people invited to use it during its test phase. It was the top download from the App Store as of Monday morning. Some users reported having trouble registering for an account or were added to a waitlist. A message mentioned massive demand as the reason for delayed registration. Trump was banned from Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube following the 2021 Capitol breach. The platforms accused him of posting messages that incited violence. Beijing doused its Olympic flame on Sunday night, bringing a close to the Games, which will be remembered for the extremes of its anti-COVID-19 measures and the outrage over the doping scandal that enveloped a 15-year-old Russian skating sensation. The Beijing Games were the second Olympics in six months to be held in a closed loop after last summer's delayed events in Tokyo. In China, the tight seal prevented the spread of COVID-19 at the Olympics or into the community, vindicating a zero-COVID policy that has isolated China from the rest of the world. But many athletes still had their Olympic dreams dashed by positive tests that prevented them from competing. China was, however, spared any embarrassing protest by competitors over its treatment of the Uyghur Muslim minority. And thousands of foreign journalists on hand were stuck inside the loop, unable to report more widely. But the game's biggest legacy will be the controversy surrounding skater Valieva, who failed a doping test in December, but the result only revealed a day after she helped her team win an Olympic medal. Though she was eventually allowed to compete in her final singles event, Valieva stumbled under pressure, her performance prompting a harsh reaction from her coaches. The saga reopened debate over whether minors should be allowed to compete in the games. An investigation by the world's top anti-doping authority into Valieva's entourage is also underway. Steph Curry hit a record-setting 16 three-pointers at the NBA All-Star Game. He said hearing the fans at the stadium in Cleveland boo him pushed him towards his impressive performance. It takes some energy to boo, so you got to care a lot to, to do that. So I try to channel that into the performance tonight and... Just have fun with it. And I got hot early and kept it going and tried to put on a little bit of a show and the joy started to come out and hopefully everybody appreciated it. Curry scored a total of 50 points in the game to give Team LeBron a 163-160 to victory over Team Durant. Curry attempted 27 three-pointers and hit 17 of 30 shots overall from the field. Curry shattered the former All-Star record of nine three-pointers by Paul George in 2016. The Golden State Warriors star fell two points shy of the scoring record set by Anthony Davis in 2017, but still took home MVP honors. Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers had 36 points and 10 rebounds to lead Team Durant. Kevin Durant did not attend the festivities due to the death of his grandmother. Rafael Nadal is in Acapulco ready to play again after winning the Australian Open. He holds the record for most Grand Slam wins, but he says it's not really about setting records for him. For me, internally, uh, it's much more about uh, this than, than the records on this stuff, no? because at the end, uh, the personal satisfaction uh, is much higher and much more important than, than any record. 35-year-old Nadal now sits alone atop men's tennis with 21 Grand Slam victories. Nadal added that he's excited to be returning to an event he last won in 2020. 
That's despite it being held in a brand new stadium with new hard courts that will take some adjusting to. The Spanish left-hander last played in Melbourne, where he defeated Daniil Medvedev in the Australian Open final. Nadal will be seated fourth at the ATP 500-level Acapulco event. Medvedev has the chance to take the world number one ranking from Novak Djokovic if things go his way. Thanks for watching. At NTD, we're honored to be your source for the news. Catch us again tonight at 6.30 Eastern. In New York City, I'm Kevin Hogan.